Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now, here's quite a story. The so far crammed roller coaster life of a woman who's still only 30. Her musical career began with her mother putting her on stage at three. Her parents divorced the next year. She became shy and withdrawn, angry and depressed. Her mum ended up marrying a Christian bloke. Through that, they all went on to embrace Christian faith. This young woman struggled at university. Then, one night, driving around, crying out to God, Why am I here? She came across the world-renowned Bethel Church, where within just a couple of years, she became a high-profile front person. Along the way, she won $25,000 cash in an American Idol-type competition, got married and scored 8 million hits for just one of her songs. She is Kim Walker-Smith, and she joins us now on Open House. Kim, welcome. Thank you. It's great to see you and meet you. you. When you hear your life encapsulated like that, what's your response? I feel like I have to stop to take a breath. (laughs) It does seem like that. Yes. It's been a lot um, over a short period of time. Yeah. Music has been in your family, as I said, for generations, really, hasn't it? Yes. I can remember um, listening to my entire family get together and sing and my grandparents uh, harmonizing together and everyone playing the piano and Family gatherings consisted of lots of food and lots of music <laughs> together. And lots of happiness. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was in my very early years and with my grandparents especially, yeah. Do you remember that time when your mum put you on stage at the age of three? I I remember standing up on the stage in a really big pink fluffy dress and I remember um, not feeling shy. I remember just feeling like this is just what, what we do and that's about my only memory of it you know this is what we do in my family we sing do you remember liking it liking I, the crowd you know i rem- i don't i i feel just indifferent i it again it just felt like this is just what we do i didn't necessarily like it or dislike it it was just this is what we do. <laughs> Did you get to like it as you grew up and performed more? Well, yes. Yeah, as, as I was growing up, you know, I had a lot of difficulties and challenges um, with my family. And, and uh, I did, as you said, become withdrawn and angry and hurt at different circumstances and things I was going through. But the one place that I felt like I could escape was the stage. And so as a kid, I was very involved in uh, musical theater and um, acting classes and things like that at my school. And um, that was kind of my my way of getting out of all of that. And, yes. and I loved that kind of world. You know? When your family's life went off the rails for a time, mm-hmm. what are some of your memories, your snapshot memories of that time? My memories of that time... You know, I'm I'm the oldest out of all my. I'm the oldest of five, and my job, I thought, and my role was to kind of be the protector and want to take care of my family, and so I saw a lot of strength come out of me. Um, I feel like I I grew up at a young age. I wasn't really a carefree child. I had a lot on my mind, um, but what I remember of that time is just really sticking together as a family, like despite the different challenges we went through, we we maintained um, our relationships as far as, you know, we're very close. And to this day, we're, we're all a very tight-knit, very close family. I'm sure. Was it similar in an entirely different way to how you felt on the stage that this is what we do? I guess you didn't know a lot else that was different. I didn't know anything else. No. Yeah, um, that, that was life. And 
um, like I said, I, I just found a, an inner strength to help me walk that out. And Where did that strength come from, do you think? Well, I've often wondered that. My only answer is that that's just that was God and something he put inside of me. I can remember from the time, probably one of my earliest memories, was thinking inside of myself that I wanted my life to matter and having this inner drive to do something great and to to matter and I remember even looking around at my circumstances and thinking this wouldn't be my future this wouldn't be my life forever that someday I was going to get above that and do something um happy <laughs> you yes know? why do you think you felt that desire that need for your life to matter that wouldn't be a common thing for many kids. Yeah, I think that that was just something God put inside of me that he had a plan and a, a destiny. And it's a hard to explain. Like I said, yes. I've asked myself that a lot. You know, my only answer is I think there was just the Lord, that he just put something inside of me just to, to want to go and to do. Without necessarily of the time, certainly in your early days, knowing God. Right. Even though I didn't really know him or have relationship with God, I, I always knew he was there. I remember my grandparents talking about him. I remember them taking me to Sunday school at times. He seemed kind of this far off, almost a fairy tale type thing, you know, that I, I didn't know a lot about. But in the hardest moments, that's who I always cried out to, even yes. though I wasn't completely sure he was there. But that's who I always went to. And then your mother married the yes, Christian my, guy. Yes, my stepfather. And drew you to church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was the one who got us going back to church and really changed everything for us. And it wasn't just that. You know, it was the first time in my life that I had a, a real house and I had new clothes and I, I didn't worry about food on the table. And he took care of us in, in every way imaginable, really. Like he just came in and was our, our knight in shining armor, not just for my mom, but for us kids as well. What are the words that you use to describe how that made you feel? And how old were you then? I was uh, nearly 14 yeah. when that happened. And it's kind of funny, but I felt a sense of relief. But I also felt a sense of anger because I didn't know my role anymore. And I had kind of felt like I was the protector in my family and the one looking out for my family. And when he came in, you know, my mom, she sat me down one day and said, Kim, you don't have to take care of me anymore. And I said, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I didn't know what yes. to do anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I went through a rough patch. And then at 18 is when I finally surrendered my life to God and began my journey with Him. And when I finally um, started to feel the, the joy coming back into my life. Here's the big question about the time. Why do you think all that happened? And where was God? It's a question you still ask, I know, yes. today, and you describe it as an ugly question. Yes. that That is a question that I, I still will have pop up in my mind all the time. And I asked God that a lot when, when I began my relationship with Him. And I never felt like I was hearing any answers that, that sufficed. And um, I... My, the answer that finally came for me was that my hunger for God and my need for Him in my life became greater than my need to have the answers. And in that moment, that's when I really experienced freedom from that. And I will say that now, um, even recently, I've come to a place in my life where I, I look back on that and I almost feel a sense of thankfulness. 
even though those were really hard times and really difficult things, I feel like those things have really shaped who I am and really made me who I am and, and even made me a more compassionate person, um, a more, maybe a stronger person. So I, I feel thankful that, um, God has done what he said he would do and really turn those things around for the better, you know, and, and make me a, a better person because of it. I'm sure the lessons of your life are a great guiding light for many who are listening right now, actually. Mm. Can you tell us that story of how you first encountered the Bethel Church? Yeah, I was uh, really struggling at university. I didn't have a lot of friends, and I was kind of an outsider, especially being somewhat of a new Christian and still figuring out my relationship with God. And I had auditioned for the worship team as a background singer. I didn't make the team. And I just felt like I had no place. And I'm driving around the middle of the night. It's probably about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just crying out to God in my car, sobbing so much and saying, what am I doing here? Why why am I why am I even a Christian? I mean this seems so hard and so yeah. difficult and I don't know what my my point is and where am I going with my life and in the middle of the night I I made a wrong turn trying to get back to the school and uh Bethel Church sits up on top of a hill and the road that it's on uh, the road just dead ends at the church and I drove right up and there it was sitting on this hill in the middle of the night and they have this prayer house that's open 24 hours it has glass windows around it. it's kind of round shaped has this kind of steeple that kind of glows a, a red color in the night and there are people in there and I pulled up and I just stopped outside the church and I stopped crying and I watched these people worshiping praying in there whatever they were doing and I was so intrigued and in that moment I kind of forgot about <laughs> my agonizing what am I doing here and all I felt was really curiosity and kind of a feeling of being drawn you know there's something happening here and I, I want to know what it is and I came back the following Sunday and I felt a little intimidated and I end up running out quickly after I got there and um, a few weeks later I just felt that same feeling I went back again and was introduced to a girl who to this day is my best friend and the rest is history you know I got pulled in and connected and and it wasn't long before you started to be more and more upfront there. Yes, I, I actually I finished out my year at the university, and I went to uh, my church's school of ministry, and um, I did that for two years. And um, not long after that is is when I started um, getting involved in the the youth group and the worship team, and got kind of pulled in to everything slowly. You were young though. I was for that very to happen. Young. Yes. Yeah, um I was only 19 when I went to the school of ministry and um when I first started leading worship I was, you know, probably 21, 22 somewhere around there. Do you yeah. reflect back on now say a decade later and think that was very young. Yes. yes. Of course, you know, if you were to talk to me yes, at that age, course. I would say, I'm yeah. not young. I'm an adult, you know. Yeah. But now being 30, looking back, I'm like, yes, that was very young. I have just trusted God. I I fell so in love with Jesus. And when I gave him my life, I really gave him everything. And I spent all of my time that I had extra, you know, when I wasn't working, when I wasn't going to school, I would be usually locked up in my bedroom or the prayer house, just 
praying and worshiping and reading my Bible and getting to know God. And, and I never tried to, uh, push myself forward or promote myself or try to push my way into a position. I, I really believed that God is the one who opens doors and he's the one who promotes. And I knew if I just waited for him to do it in the right time, that I would be ready and it would be the right time for real. So I did. I just allowed him to continue to mold me and shape me. And in his right time, he opened up the right doors. On Open House, we're with Kim Walker-Smith from Jesus Culture. And I wanted to get to Jesus Culture. I'd love you to take us through the story of how that happened. Yeah. It's a really interesting movement. Yes. Um well, when I first started going to the church and uh, got introduced to Banning Liebscher, who is the director of Jesus Culture, um, I just immediately connected with him. While he's only a few years older than me, he's really been a father figure in my life and um, got me involved in the youth group. And I actually started out as a social events director in the youth group. And that's really where Jesus Culture was birthed. It, it was in our youth group. And uh, every summer we had a Jesus Culture conference. We, we called it our you know, Jesus Culture Conference. And we decided one summer that we wanted to record a CD. And we weren't writing songs or had any ambitions of becoming a big movement or a label or lots of CDs or anything like that. We were just going to record the worship service, which was cover songs, other people's songs, because these were the songs that were ministering to us. And we wanted all of the kids that were coming to have something to take home and and stay connected to the presence of God and to spend time with the Lord. And, and we record this album. We have no money. So it's not even, you know, our best album because we don't have a lot of money to put into the, the mixing and all of that kind of stuff. And it went really well. And we thought, Hey, we should do this again. So we decided to make another album. This time we had a little bit of money to put into it because we made some money off the first one. So we just put that right back into the second one. And on that album, we uh, had a song called How He Loves. And we made a DVD to go along with the album. We just, you know, filmed the night of worship. And one day I get a call from my little brother, who at the time is probably about nine, ten years old. And he says, Kim, you're on YouTube. And I said, <laughs> what is YouTube? I didn't even know. And so he's on the phone telling me how to get on the internet and go to YouTube and find the video. And a kid had uh, put the video of how he loves up on YouTube. And I'm looking at this and I I'm just shocked. My face is, is on the internet and I don't know what, what this means yes. or how could this happen? And I see this number and it was 220,000. And I said, what is that number? My little brother goes, that's how many people have seen this. And then I was really shocked and a little little scared. I felt a little weird. Yes. I wasn't sure how I felt about that. And um, I called Banning and he said, yeah, I just found out. And of course, we had to have the kid take it down because it was up illegally, but we promptly put it right back up of legally course, and yes. properly. And all of a sudden, this video goes viral. It just goes all over the place. And we get testimonies pouring in and emails pouring in people who aren't even Christian who are finding this video they're listening to this song and they're they're watching this YouTube video and they're just weeping and crying and they don't even know why and they're feeling the love of God as they're listening to this and um, that is really what began 
uh, the Jesus culture movement. Yeah, it's an amazing and, um, story. Bringing it out, you know. We'll put the link to that video up yeah, on our Open House Community great. Facebook page tonight. How do you say that took off as it did? It was certainly nothing to do with you, as you clearly right. know. Right. You know, again, I think that was just a plan that God had that was bigger than what we had dreamt of, which is how God is a lot of the times, I think. You know, he dreams bigger than than what we think sometimes. And, and um, that video, actually... I had felt really embarrassed about it. And I had asked Banning in the editing process for the, the music and the CD and the DVD to take that part out, this part where I stop in the song and I start talking. And and what had happened was in that moment, I could feel the presence of God and the love of God so strong in that room that I, I didn't want anyone to miss out on what was happening in that moment. And so I'm fumbling over my words and I'm trying to articulate what I feel and what is happening. And I feel like I sound like just such an idiot. You know, I'm so embarrassed. And afterwards I I go and I say, Banning, please, you have to edit that off. Do not put that up there. And he insisted that it was his favorite part of the whole night and wanted to keep it on there. And it felt really humbling actually that it was up on YouTube and now everyone's watching it but I think that was just a testimony to how God works you know he humbles us and he keeps us low and in that he's glorified and he he shows off and shows his love and people get to encounter him <laughs> if you look at the entire sweep of biblical history that's exactly how God mostly works yes <laughs> you talk about Jesus culture in terms of a new and emerging breed of revivalists, mm-hmm. and you're in a reformation and a revival. Yes. What does that mean? Explain what that means. Well, for us, what that means is we we feel like we have a mandate and a mission. You know, a lot of people know the music, and a lot of people are aware of the songs, you know, Jesus Culture Band, and maybe what they aren't always aware of is that we are a ministry. And, and like I said, that we, we came out of, base, you know, we we're just a youth group doing, doing life together. And our, our goal is that... We raise up revivalists on earth that we raise up people who, um, who understand, first of all, how much God loves them and that they get to dream with God, that they get to go and, and, um, do the things that God created them to do and to walk in freedom and to, um, go and, and to do all the things that Jesus told us to do, to go and, you know, take care of the orphan and the widow, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, all these commands that Jesus gave. And we do that with him and through his presence and relationship with him. And so, you know, we have we have two main goals in, in everything that we're doing. One is worship, that people come into worship and they encounter God and encounter his presence. And the other is that they're equipped, that they're equipped to actually go out and to do the things that they're created to do, whether it's within the church or the marketplace or the arts, whatever it is. And we want to help prepare them for that here's a question from left field though could this also happen without music do you think i that is a really difficult question i in one sense i want to say yes because god is god and he can do whatever he wants he can do it in five minutes he can do it in 15 years he can do it however he wants uh on the other side of that you know worship is 
and music is a tool for us to to be in his presence and to glorify him to worship him that it's not about us that it's about him it's a moment for us to take our minds off of everything else going on and just to be with him and um so i think that those two they really go hand in hand but ultimately he's god and he could do exactly what he wants with or without the music (laughs) very good answer so you're in australia promoting the new live from new york jesus culture album that's out next month tell us a bit about that how that came together i am so excited about this album we recorded this album um at our conference earlier this year uh in new york and this album is uh with martin smith from delirious and we're really excited to work with him because you know he's one of our heroes Uh, pretty much you know all the guys in the band, you know, grown up listening to, to Delirious, <laughs> yes. and this is what has inspired us so much, and so to to work with one of our heroes was a dream come true for all of us, but we're also really excited about this because we do feel like this is our, our best album that we've ever done creatively, uh, musically, that we're really growing in what we, what we do, and we're excited to uh, for that, for everyone to get to kind of see uh, the new growth that we've had, yes. and and again, just the fact that we did it with Martin, one of our heroes, that's yeah. our favorite part, what probably. <laughs> well, I wish you well with it. You're going to leave us with one song called Rooftops. Yes. There's an interesting story behind that. Yes. This song was written by a 15-year-old girl from Florida, and it's incredible. You know, we're we're ministering to youth and young adults with Jesus Culture, and that's kind of our main age group we go after. And this girl, she was just um, impacted by the presence of God, obviously at a really young age. She writes this song, and... It gets into my hands, and I love the song, so we record it, and it goes all around the world, and this ends up being one of our top songs and most requested songs, and it's also been um, covered by a few other bands since the time we put it out, so I think it's pretty incredible and exciting, you know, um, God is no respecter of age, that he will use you no matter how young or old you are. Good for her, and good for you for picking it up as well. Well, this is Rooftops. Kim Walker-Smith, it's been a great treat meeting you and talking with you. Thank you so much for joining us on Open House. Here's Rooftops. Oh no.
Can you tell him tonight? Say, Jesus, here I am. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> here I am. Arms wide open.
We hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.